Good morning. Jim Bob's away today, so when the cat's away, the mice will play. And uh, I got an opportunity to get up on stage, and hopefully I'll make you guys a little bit uncomfortable this morning. That's, that's part of my goal. But for good, for good reasons, for good reasons. Um, this week and next week kind of is a, is a two-part, like maybe mini-series. We're uh, going to be talking this week about looking back, because it's the last Sunday of 2019. Next week we're going to be talking about looking ahead, because it's the first t- Sunday of, of t- 2020. Um, to kind of give you a little bit of a, a backstory, a little bit of illustration about what we're going to talk about today, uh, let me introduce myself. Um, I'm Nathan. I'm the student pastor here. Um, I have four kids, the youngest of which is nine days old and is here for the first time at church. Really excited about that. Um, I'm 33 years old. I try to keep, keep myself young, you know, stay active. I'm a high school teacher, so that helps out. I do the, the youth group ministry here at City Point, so that helps out. Um, but some days I just really feel it. You guys hear me? And it all kind of came to, to a head, right, the, the feeling of being in, in my 30s. Early, early this year, at the beginning of the year, I had a well check. It was my first wellness check in four years. Kind of let it go. You're supposed to do those once a year. But, you know, I was feeling good. I was feeling healthy. Um, so I went in, the doctor did all the normal things, and, uh, and after seeing the doctor, uh, he ordered additional screenings, which is never a good thing to have at a wellness check. And at the follow-up appointment, we're sitting in the examination room, and he asked me if I'm an alcoholic, because my liver numbers are the same as someone who's a heavy drinker. Well, I'm not an alcoholic, so some additional tests were run. And I found out at 33, my gallbladder was trying to kill me. But we were able to catch it early enough that I killed it before it got me. And, uh, and we caught it so early that I really didn't feel a lot of the extreme effects. Really, normally you get real, real sick before you have your gallbladder removed. And I was able to catch it early enough to not experience most of that. So I'm very, very thankful for my doctor and preventative medicine. See, preventative measures help prevent something serious from happening. It's uncomfortable to go to the doctor. It's uncomfortable for him to point out parts of your life um, that are not healthy, that need to change, that need to be corrected. That's uncomfortable. But the intention is we put ourselves through a little bit of, of discomfort, a short time of being uncomfortable so that we can catch things before they become a serious problem. We want to catch bad habits or markers uh, before we develop diabetes. We want to catch um, a lump before it becomes cancer. We want to catch high cholesterol before it leads to heart attack or heart disease or stroke. We want to catch things early. That's why we go put ourselves through a little bit of discomfort at the doctor. I might be losing the younger people in here. They might think, well, you sound like a week old boomer. Um, but no, preventative medicine could be described as even more important at a young age, because if you are diagnosed or develop a chronic illness at a young age, you have the most time and the most productivity to lose living the rest of your life with that, with that illness. So preventative medicine is important no matter where you are in life, young or old. And just like wellness exams are important for our physical body, 
to catch something before it becomes serious, wellness exams are important for our spiritual body to catch something before it becomes serious. And it might be a little bit uncomfortable to go to a spiritual wellness exam. Um, James kind of gives us a preview in James chapter 1. This is uh, the Apostle James writing, uh, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then, de- then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And so what we're seeing here is we want to catch temptation before we develop a desire. And we want to catch a desire before it becomes sin. And we want to catch sin before it leads to death. We need to have a spiritual wellness exam. This is the last Sunday of the year, 2019. The year is behind us. There's nothing we can do to change what happened in 2019. But we can look back on it. We can examine our lives. And we can, if we're wise, make changes so that we're healthier in 2020 than we were in 2019. So this week, we're going to take a look back. Next week, we're going to take a look forward. And today, I want to pose three questions for kind of your personal spiritual wellness exam that you get to sit down and ask yourself these questions, listen to Dr. Holy Spirit, and just consider where your life is at the end of 2019. I borrowed these three questions from a pastor named Dean O'Brien. And so our task, yours and mine, right, we're at the end of this year, is to carve out some time, you know, maybe 30 minutes or an hour this next week, to just kind of sit down with God, prayerful attitude, um, ask yourself these questions. And again, it might be a little bit uncomfortable, um, but it's, it's so that you have a better 2020. Here's the first question. The first question that you're going to ask yourself is, how's your heart? Well, that's the first question that the doctor asks you, right? You go in, they put on the blood pressure cuff, they get out the the cold stethoscope and listen. If they hear something that's not normal, they get out additional additional instruments to take a better look, a closer look. And the reason is, you really need your heart to be alive. And if you have a problem with your heart, it's going to affect the rest of your body. And so it's only fitting for us to start our spiritual wellness exam with a look at our heart. Now, the, the Bible says a lot about our heart, um, and I think it's one of those things that's used so often, it's kind of passed into Christianese, right? And everybody just assumes what we say whenever you got, you got to get your heart right, you got to protect your heart, um, you know, give your heart to God, those kind of things. But, but it's important for us to understand what, what we're talking about when we say our heart. Scripture describes our heart as that component um, is the deepest and truest part of you. Your heart is the seat of your mind, your emotions, and your will. Your mind, your emotions, and your will. It's how you think, it's how you feel, and it's what you do. That's your heart. It's your character. It's the deepest part of yourself, the self that you are when no one is around, when no one is looking. The, the truest part of you that only God sees, that's your heart. In Jeremiah, in the Old Testament, it talks about how evil the heart of man is. 
and how our desires are, are only ever awful negative things. But following up to that, the prophet Ezekiel talks about a time when our hearts will be transformed. And fortunately for us, we're living in that time. With salvation comes a heart transplant, transformation. God gives us a new heart with new desires, but that heart has to be directed. Our mind, our feelings, our will have to be directed. And, and our heart is the thing which God desires. The, in the Proverbs, we see um, God say, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. God's interested in both our conduct and our character. Who we are, not just what we do. And I think it's easy for us living our day-to-day life to just kind of take an assessment on the good and bad that we do. But God is more interested in who you are, your heart. So does God have your heart? But yeah, I prayed that prayer that one time. I gave my heart to it. How do you know? right? Because we're giving ourselves a spiritual um, wellness exam. How do you know that God has your heart? I want to I propose three kind of echocardiograms, EKGs for your spiritual heart, how to see the condition of your spiritual heart. The first one is going to be your speech, how you communicate. Um, Jesus says in Matthew 12 that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what that means is two things. For one, your heart is full. It's full of something. And from that something bubbles out the way you communicate. And when do we see that? When do we see that speech? Um, When you're tired, when you're stressed, when you're stuck in traffic, when things aren't going your way. How do you talk? When it's just you and your wife or you and your family and things aren't going your way, how do you speak? That feeling, those words that bubble out when you lose control is a picture of the state of your heart. And your heart is full of the things that you fill it with. It is our, our fault where our, where our heart currently stands, right? It's the things we read, the media that we consume, the things that we think about that fills our heart, the people that we spend time around, the places where we work that fills our heart, and the things that we fill our heart with come bubbling out. So when you ask yourself the question, how's my heart? Think about how do you communicate with people? Do you talk about yourself a lot? Do you spread lots of gossip? Are you critical of other people? Or do you speak truth into a situation and love into a situation? Do you encourage the people around you to be the best versions of of themselves? Are you positive in your speech? Are you kind in the things that you say? Are you known for speaking words that hurt or words that heal. That tells us the condition of our heart. Another EKG for your heart, another way of imaging your heart is your money. Jesus said, again, in Matthew chapter 6, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, 
How do you spend? How do you save? How do you invest? How do you give? That tells you a lot about the direction of your heart. Jesus spoke these words, these, these words about where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When he was encouraging people not to spend their money on temporary things, right? On things of this earth. It says, you know, where thieves can come in and, and just take them away or they can be destroyed. Moths can eat them up. I don't know if that happens anymore, but you guys get the picture. He said, no, you need to invest in things that are eternal. So, how's my heart? Do I spend on things that I would be embarrassed of other people knowing where my money went? Do I spend more than I make like the average American? Am I still looking for that one material thing to fill the hole in my heart or the loneliness that I feel? Am I part of the 80% of American Christians that don't give to their church or to the kingdom? Or in 2019, did I learn to give more? Did I learn to give for the right reasons and with the right kind of attitude? Am I becoming more generous? Am I getting my heart wrapped around what God is doing on the planet by giving towards the things that he's given? So we got the first one is your speech. The second one is your money. How's your heart? The third way of imaging your heart, EKG for your spiritual heart, is your love. Jesus also said two greatest commandments. Love God with all of your being, and love the people around you just as much as you love yourself. That's the greatest calling. In fact, Jesus' Jesus's critique of the religious people of the day weren't that they were doing the wrong thing or teaching the wrong thing. It's that they were doing all of that without any love for God or love for people. It had become a checklist, a to-do list, a gotcha. Their hearts weren't in it. So when we think about how's our heart, what is the focal point of our love? Is our love for things? Is our love for people? Is our love for temporary enjoyment? Or are we learning to love Christ and love like Christ even more every day? Are we growing in our worship of him? Not just on Sunday morning singing songs together, but a a life of worship throughout the week. Are our hearts being changed? The the heart question is a tough question. So I think it's worth spending some time on to consider the state of your heart. How's, How's my heart in 2019? Second question, what are your commitments? Ephesians 5 This is Paul's letter to the Ephesians reads, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Paul's suggesting here that the way that the world lives and the commitments that they make in their day-to-day choices are unwise. 
And why are they why are they unwise? Because the days are evil. People live like this material world is it. And it's going to last forever. And both of those are wrong. They live as if there's not an eternity and there's not a God that exists that's going to give you your choice of your eternal destination. That's living unwise. God's truth teaches us something very different. And because we know the truth, Paul's trying to to make the, the statement, make the best use of your time. He's not talking about earthbound opportunities. He means making spiritual commitments, spiritual investments. When you think about your goals for the year, where are you investing the majority of your time and resources? Where are your commitments? Jesus addressed these these priorities in Matthew chapter 6. He says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Maybe he didn't say it that way. That's how I'm going to say it. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We get caught up in worrying about the same things that Jesus' apostles got worried about thousands of years ago. And we create goals for our year to address these concerns. Am I going to have the money to eat? Where am I going to live? What am I going to wear? How am I going to get around? They didn't have cars, but they had transportation, right? And what Jesus is saying is if you stop focusing on all of these what-ifs or what-wills, if you stop focusing on the pursuit of the material things and instead you focus on pursuing righteousness and building God's kingdom, you don't have to worry about anything else. It's like a life hack, but it's one that's guaranteed to work. You want to stop worrying about things? Orient yourself towards God's desires. Seek his righteousness. Try to live like Jesus lived, a little bit better every day. And he's saying, all these things that you were worried about before, they'll just take care of themselves. The second priority that he mentions is, is expansion of Christ's kingdom. You know, as a man, I often think about what am I building, right? What are my goals? What is my kingdom? It's kind of a little bit of an outdated term. But in those commitments, am I building something that's only going to be temporary? Or am I working to build God's kingdom here because that kingdom is going to echo into eternity? So if you, want, if you want to know how are your commitments, just scan back through the last few weeks, the last months, the goals that you set in life for 2019. What were your choices for entertainment, for hobbies, things that took up a lot of your time? And then at the same time, think about how much time did you invest in eternal things? How much time did you spend reading the Bible, praying, 
meditating, which is, I think, an art that's, that's been lost in, modern, uh, in our modern culture. But just thinking, thinking about the things that God's trying to speak to you. How much time did you spend doing that 2019 compared to temporary things? It's a little bit uncomfortable. Going to the doctor is a little bit uncomfortable. So the first one, how's your heart? Second one, what are your commitments? Third question, what are your daily habits? What are your daily habits? Psalms 39 says that our days are numbered. And there's actually information. The average American's lifespan will be about 29,000 days. It's higher now than it's ever been. 29,000 days. You can go online too, just search up how much longer do I have to live or when will I die? And there's various uh, websites that you can just fill out a little bit of information about yourself. You know, age, male or female, do you smoke, do you drink, that kind of stuff. And they'll tell you about how many days you have left to live. I did that. I have about 11,000 days. It kind of hurt. That's lower than the average. 11,000 days. That sounds like a lot, but if you consider the time that you spend sleeping and the time that you spend working alone, that's almost two-thirds of those days. So then I'm left with only 4,000 days worth of time that I get to decide what I do. Our days are numbered, and people react to this in very different ways. They orient their habits in very different ways staring in the face of the fact that we just have a few days on this earth. The first way is to uh, try to grab for all the gusto we can in life, to live life to the fullest. We want to live more, we want to experience more, we want to do more, we want to buy more, we want to travel more. Just squeeze as much as you can into the days that we have left. And then the flip side of that is to just passively ignore the truth that life is temporary. Live every day as it comes, take life as it comes, go with the flow, do what feels good in the moment, and just live like there's no end to, to this life here on earth. Both of those are the wrong attitude to have. Um, this kind of whole idea of our days are numbered and we fill them up is, is touched on in 1 Kings. Um, 1 Kings chapter 20, there's this prophet and he, he uses an illustration for the king he talks about this man, this soldier, who was charged to guard an important prisoner. That was the job he was given, guard this important prisoner. And somehow the prisoner escapes. And when this soldier is brought before his superior officers to be held accountable, he says, while I was busy here and busy there, behold, he was gone. That's how some of us live life. Most of us live life. We get busy here, we get busy there, we get busy with this, we get busy with that, and then suddenly a year is gone, a decade is gone, your lifetime is gone. The minutes, the hours, the days, is that me? Oh, sorry. The minutes, the hours, the days, the little things add up. And before you know it, you're out of school. Before you know it, your kids are grown. Before you know it, you're retiring. Before you know it, you're in the evening of your life. 
We get busy with this and busy with that, and then suddenly it's gone. So what are your, da- your daily habits? I know some of you think, I'm spontaneous. I don't have habits. You do. Everybody has daily habits. It's human nature to try to organize our mundane life so that it's easier, so there are things we don't have to think about. So what is the things that you're doing in life that you don't have to think about? What are your, de- what are your habits? What decisions do you make that don't seem significant? How do you spend your time? How do you entertain yourself? Because a few dollars here, a couple TV shows there, a little entertainment, and it's gone. Is Scripture part of your habit? Is time praying part of your habit? Is time spent talking to people who need Christ, is that part of your habit? Is fellowshipping with other believers so that you grow in your faith as iron sharpens iron, is that part of your habit? I'm sure you could sit down and just think about your day and list out the habits that you have. And so it's worth asking the question, what about your habits? So, I'm not the doctor. I'm just shedding light. But it's worth sitting down this week with the Holy Spirit and answering those questions. How's your heart? How's your commitments? What are your commitments? What are your daily habits? I don't want to leave you feeling uncomfortable because, again, you go to the doctor, you hear all the information, it's a little bit uncomfortable. But then the doctor gives you a suggestion. He gives you a prescription something to help. And so that's what I want to leave with you guys today. Examination and appropriate change, those are crucial. And it's up to you, right? If your doctor gives you a suggestion, gives you a prescription, it's up to you to take care of that, to do that, to incorporate that. And so I just want to encourage you to make a commitment this week, make a commitment to God this week that you'll sit down, spend 30 minutes, spend an hour, and answer these questions. Write down your answers so you have them to look back on at the end of 2020. Because just like your doctor has your best health involved, uh, sorry, best physical health on his mind, God has your best spiritual health on his mind. He wants you to live your best life. And just like it would be easier to not live a healthy physical life, right? It is delicious to gain weight. And it is stress-free to not think about that lump the doctor found, right? We can live our spiritual life that way, to just get our card stamped and then not think about it till the day we've taken the glory. But that is not your best life. And fortunately for us, not only does God point out areas in our life that need to change, but He is working with us to make those changes. We find at the beginning in Genesis, it says that God spoke. That simple action, spoke, brought everything into existence. And then towards the end, Paul writes in his letter to the Philippians that God, that same God that spoke the universe into existence, is working on you. He's working with you to change your life and the lives of those around you. 
And so we just have to, we have to take some time to do a wellness check. Let's pray.